Alright, welcome back, nerds. Uh, the three of us have just had an experience to discuss over at the IMAX. We went and saw Dune, and uh, we got some thoughts, as one would imagine. Three erudite human beings like us have thoughts about things. So I thought we'd figure, uh, let's start with, what did you guys think about uh, Denis Villeneuve trying to capture the uh, the style of the um, sci-fi world of Dune? on the screen. Well, I uh, would say that I, I think that in terms of style, it, it was Dune. It was definitely Dune, but it was also definitely, if you're familiar with, you know, this director's other works, it was definitely distinctly Denis Villeneuve. Um, I mean, the, the, the style of his camera work and uh, the editing with the sort of like very yellow, yellowy sort of color filter which is you know i think very common to all his films um you know it it definitely looked like a denis Villeneuve film um but i think it was also very true to dune uh the the biggest thing i noticed was just the scale of the thing um everything was massive uh everything was epic everything was huge and you know when we talked about the book we talked about how it's actually kind of a small story set against like a massive galaxy universe history etc um and i think that really came across in the movie uh very little uh happened in terms of plot but um <laughs> stylistically the scale of the thing was huge mm-hmm. that was the first thing sean and i commented on we were sitting next to each other sean was uh, stuck in the middle of mike and i <laughs> and uh, I turned afterwards and I'm like, damn, like when those spaceships, the like the um, the cargo ships are going through that like elongated donut hole to travel through um, the interspace, like, holy shit, everything felt huge. Yep. Yeah, I, I think they nailed it. The visual aesthetic just really speaks to the, the feeling you get from reading the book. I thought it was excellently done. Uh, Remind me a lot of like that. Uh, old Hollywood, like golden age, biblical epic kind of feel where everything was just mm. a huge piece because money is no object kind of a thing. It just, uh, it finally does justice to such a huge story. So basically we just needed to wait another 30 years and throw maybe a hundred million more at it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good point though, Sean, uh, to make that uh, comparison to the old epics that had, uh, you know, the sort of Ben Hur sort of, mm to it exactly so uh let's talk then about the uh the characters and the casting what did you guys think of um the casting did they match up with what you saw in the book do you feel like they were good choices i mean we have no control over this despite us having a fellowship of a dozen people but if they had asked you would you have cast similarly i thought that um you know, the cast looks the part for sure. I was um, a little surprised at the lack of screen time for a lot of the big names that were in this, notably Josh Brolin, uh, only being there briefly. But um, you know, I thought the people played their roles very competently. I think uh, is it Timothy Chalamet or Chalamet, whatever his name is. I think it's very uh, French. I think Denis Villeneuve was like, who's the uh, other French guy I can get? And Tim- Timothy Chalamet. Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, who was, who has was, all the the students when they bring up Dune sometimes because a couple of my students in one of my mods are reading it, they're all a Twitter about that boy. So really, okay, get, getting a broader audience there. 
he 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 was fine. It's yeah. funny because we're reading Sandman now as we're talking about this, and I'm thinking to myself, "What? Wow, like the Sandman kind of looks like that kid in a way." No, no. <laughs> He's got another movie I series. I thought about that, but I can see that. Yeah, that, you know, it's just that gothic kind of, you know, yeah. angsty yeah. boy. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, it was fine. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought I thought he did a fine job. I wasn't familiar with the actor prior to this, um, but he, uh, you know, I think he. A lot of the stuff that we said about the character when we discussed the book, um, I thought that came across in the performance. I mean, there was a physical presence there that sort of, you know, it it had that like brooding, but also like that dignity. Um, you know, he he was. Uh, not physically imposing in the way of like a Jason Momoa or a lot of the warriors, but he also like, you know, at least looked imposing on the screen when he had to be, when he had to show like leadership and everything. I I thought he did well. I thought everybody was pretty good for their parts. Um, I, I will say that um, the person who played or the actress uh, who played Jessica, that's not how I pictured the character when I was reading the book. Um, but I thought she did a great job. Uh, that's just not how I pictured the character, but that was just, you know, uh, in my own head. Um, and that's definitely not how I pictured, uh, the, um, oh, shoot, not the governor. Uh, what, what the now Baron or the Baron? The Baron. Yeah. Uh, I did not picture him the way he was represented in the movie at all reading the book. I mean, he seemed more of like a silly you know, almost comical character to me in the book. Um, whereas he's very, you know, sort of menacing and imposing in the movie. Um, but I liked that better, honestly, yeah. you know, like that's the type of thing where, were I to revisit the book, that's how I would now picture the Baron. Um, and the last thing I'll say while I'm on that subject is, uh, it reminded me very much apocalypse. now is like, you know, one of my top few movies of all time. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, Brando's performance as Colonel Kurtz, um, I thought that the Baron, uh, you know, was very reminiscent of that. Agreed. Ooh, that's a nice deep cut there. Yeah. I uh, I was just thinking how much every time uh, the Na Baron spoke, I just kept seeing Drax from Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy. But that's just a me <laughs> issue. That's not that actor's fault. That's I have, I have to correct you on that, Adam. That's not the Nob Baron. He wasn't even in this particular oh, film. Oh, thank you. That was um, Raven, the oh. just like his henchman who was yeah. sort of ruling in his place. The Nob Baron is the young, live uh, nephew there that uh, fights in the end. You haven't seen him yet. I Thank you for correcting me. Yeah, that's a good point. Like Maybe that explains also why I was so confused between the Drax and then just mixing up that character because... I was the guy who went into this movie thinking we were going to get the full book. And then within three seconds went, fuck, it's a part one. <laughs> Fine. I understand. I mean, it's it's a 700 page novel, so I get it. Like if you're going to do it justice, it's going to have to be five to seven hours a movie. But I was down for that. I was ready. Speaking of that, uh, it was frustrating for me. Like the last probably 45 minutes of the movie, because I knew that it was going to end and I knew it was going to end fairly abruptly. Mm-hmm. And there was like 10 or 12 points where I thought like, Oh, this could be it starting with, you know, the battle where the Harkonnens attack, yeah. um, you know, as that was wrapping up and like, I-, I was thinking like, okay, this could be it. And from that point on, however much was left in the movie, 
I kept thinking like, okay, this, this could be the moment. And it was very stressful, you know, I'll enjoy it more watching it a second time, knowing exactly where it's going to end. Well, knowing that they're going to make a second one and it's not, you know, a permanent cliffhanger. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. Well, I think the ending at the Harkonnen attack would have been like the Disney cut. Right. Right. So like for everybody who's read the book, you get all of the, like the ships being destroyed and you see like, um, before Gurney Halleck is killed, sacrificing himself, you get like him uh, escaping in the Thopter and like flying away. That would have been a, a perfect Disney cut ending right there. That's right. probably where they would have stopped. But, you know, Villeneuve being a little bit of, you know, the the stylistic choice as well as like the, um, uh, the, the emotional director that he is willing to build a little bit more of the character. Like, I'm sure he had some say in where it got cut. I think it would have been cool if they would have ended with the sandworm like looming over him, just that big epic shot. Oh, that that would have right. been like Doom by Tim Burton or something, you know? Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> point. That dum, was one dum, of the dum, 12 dum, points dum, where I was dum. sure it was about to end. The sandworm comes out and looms over them, you know, roll credits. A film by Denis Villeneuve. Uh, <laughs> now I want Doom by Tim Burton. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. But he was out for like another 25 minutes after that. They yeah. Yeah. The Fremen and. Uh, you know, the, the, the whole duel happens and everything. By the way, kudos to uh, Sean. In our previous uh, podcast, we had debated the pronunciation, and we had proposed each of us our own pronunciation. And I think, Sean, you were the one who said Fremen. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to take the title now. I'm just going to claim it as Chief Nerd Linguist. There you go. Whenever <laughs> I need elfish things translated, I'm going to Sean. Oh, God, I can't do elfish. That's all based in Scandinavian. I, that, that's all weird. <laughs> yeah. All right, so Klingon, can I get a Klingon translation? Kapla. Okay, I thought so. Very good. <laughs> All right, uh, so just the second half, the last half here, thinking about, we kind of already transitioned into it. What did the movie leave out or have that the book didn't? You know, that stereotypical, all right, what did they fuck with the text here that we either liked or didn't like? Because both of those can happen. You know, I can, can I get in there real quick? Yeah. This, it's just, you said it, and it popped into my head, and it's the one scene in the book that, to me, really resonated with the mythos of Arrakis. And it was that dinner where Leto has all of the people that are important movers and shakers in Arrakis there, and they do the whole water ceremony where they dip mm. their hands in or whatever, and they throw it on the ground, and it had this symbolic meaning for them, and he was going to upend that tradition because he's going to change Arrakis, but like he wasn't sure the people wanted this and all the power play there. They completely stripped all that subplot of the person who controlled the poles and like where the water comes from and all of this. It's just gone. Now, I get it. You can't, you got to be tight with a narrative on a film like that, and there was just too much to, to do all of that. But it was one of those things where I think you could have done a really cool movement with like the, the water in the bowl and throwing the towel and it's just the way that he drops it on the floor kind of a thing and it's like, I'm in charge here now. That would have been a really cool moment to see in film, but I, I was just kind of sad that got cut. Yeah. I mean, there was definitely some stuff missing that, you know, was, was done for, for pacing issues. Um, you know, obviously uh, uh, they've talked about this um I'm blanking on the director of Lord of the Rings for some reason. Peter Jackson. Jackson, thank you. Um, you know, but he's talked about that in Lord of the Rings and all the very painful decisions that they had to make for pacing. And, and he explained a lot of it well. You know, how would you, this is beautiful moments in the text, but how would you depict that without bringing the action to, you know, an absolute dead standstill? 
Um, the scene you're talking about, I think, could have been done, um, you know, very well and might have added something. Uh, I think we had talked about after we watched the film, we had all said, uh, you know, just how quickly we go from moving to Arrakis to having the Harkonnen attack. Whereas mm -hmm. in the book, there's an implication that a lot more time passes and they're making inroads with the communities and, you know, that kind of thing. So, you know, these are choices that they made for pacing. Um you know, I, I think that some of it you regret if you're familiar with the book. Um, but I, I got to say, on the whole, I was I was remarkably uh, surprised at how true the movie, I thought, stayed to the book. I didn't see, other than some things that got cut, I didn't see any drastic changes. Um, and the, the, the little changes that I did see, I mostly approved of. Um, the character who is uh, the planetologist... Um, you know, they changed uh, that character from a male in the book to a female in the movie. Completely approve of that. Uh, this, mm -hmm. you know, book that needed more female characters, and that was a, a good one to do it. Yeah. And and then the duel that ends uh, part one of the film doesn't happen till later in the book. They've already journeyed across the desert, and they're, like, in the community. And this guy's sort of been nagging at Paul for a while before they finally challenge him. Um, but I thought that was a good way to sort of escalate that and help, you know, and part one with Paul already achieving sort of an elevated status there. So I approved of that change too. Um, and beyond that, like I said, I think it was mostly remarkable text as, as much as it could be. Yeah, I have to agree. Um, you know, the pacing was my, my big issue only because I wanted to see more uh, development of the relationship with the Fremen. Uh, it's going to take me some time to get that pronunciation back under my belt because I really wanted the, the you know new york free man to be the case but fine fine i get it um but besides that i thought you know pacing was good um i didn't really see too many decisions either that i thought were bad it, it kind of feels like it's already on track to be one of those canonical reproductions that does make some tough decisions but doesn't cut out like any major incidences or something like that um i think if nothing else having that battle earlier um in being later in part one but earlier in the what i presume is going to be a two-part uh movie series is that you know it lets you jump right into the relationship with chani right away um right after that because i presume we're going to start at siege to Burr and be like right there with that paul amassing power like we've already kind of tried to make some predictions how it's going to start um yeah. four years from now when it's done yeah so all right. It sounds, you know, like we are all in unanimous agreement about this one being good. Yeah, I, I'll say for me that, um, you know, I, I was I was very pleased. Uh, I am a big fan of the book and I'm a big fan of the director. And when, uh, you know, they announced that that was the director that was going to work on the film, I, I thought, you know, you'd be hard pressed to find if anybody could pull it off. You know, it would be this director, I thought. Um, I, I think that's as good of an adaptation of Dune as, you know, we're, we were ever likely to see. Um, you know, I, I think there's little things that, you know, we can certainly all nitpick, those of us that have, have read the book first. Um, but I, I think in terms of the overall spectacle, as well as capturing the major themes, the performances, the style, um, you know, I was very pleased with it. Hmm. Sean? I gotta say, it's nice to have a big, epic 
sci-fi fantasy kind of movie that doesn't involve uh, Disney or Marvel <laughs> or like the superhero origin story. It was refreshing, something that I haven't seen in a long time. Um, but I will say that uh, while I agree this is probably the best large screen adaption we're ever going to see, I still think the story itself would be better served as a serialized high-end TV production for HBO or something like that, just because they've proven, uh, many outlets have proven how successful that formula can be. And while I know they did a Dune miniseries before, I think on a sci-fi TV channel budget, which is probably <laughs> minuscule compared to what we could be done now, I think this would be a better time to attempt it. Um, it could get plotting, though. Whereas I think the pacing here, like you guys have said, was quick and crisp and it felt good. Um, it would be interesting to see them go a little bit more in depth with a few things. And I think it could be just as good, if not better, if they did it. But I, I'm happy. It's a great movie. Yeah. Four to part two. It sucks we got to wait two years. but Yeah, you know. same here. I jokingly said four years earlier, but it's going to be a long two years for sure. You know, I'm of the same opinion. Uh, HBO Max probably could have done a great job on it and maybe incorporated some of the other Dune books into the series, you know, season one, season two, a la like Game of Thrones or something like that. And the series is already done as opposed to some other movie uh, or sorry, TV show series they've done where the books are still not done. So that's right. Fuck you, J.R.R. Martin. I'm going to steal that from Sean right now. Damn it, Adam. You took my line. I did. I have nothing else. I'm just kidding. But I, I think we all uh, are on the same page there. Like that's, uh, maybe like the worlds of Dune or something like that as a spin-off world series. HBO could totally steal that concept from um, Marvel doing the world building. We've got the world now. Now dive into the different territories and show us the different sieges. And and, and that very well, that could happen because yeah. there are several sequels that Frank Herbert himself wrote and then his son and uh, Jane T. Anderson or whatever his name is. Sure. <laughs> but, uh, there's, it gets really bad shit crazy from what I understand after like the, the second book or so. So they could go nuts if they wanted to. There's a lot of source material. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, uh, if HBO does make a series, I think we now have the copyright to say, fuck you. Uh, you got to pay us royalties because we had the idea. Yeah, I think. exactly. I think now. So this we're going right. yeah. this to is, This is binding legally. That's right. This is the poor man's copyright because this is going out on a certain date and this is when we said it. Timestamp this bitch. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I think everyone knows that. Oh, for sure. All right. Well, uh, nerds, thank you for your time. You've uh, heard from us. It's worth a see if you haven't seen it yet. If you read the book, it's worth a see. If you haven't read the book, what are you doing? Read the book. Go listen to the cast from earlier in the season. Then go watch the movie and listen to this cast again because it'll make much more sense then. All right, uh, we will be back with part two of our um, HP Lovecraft series because there was just too much Lovecraft to stop at. Uh, oh God, I fucking did a dad joke. I'm sorry, guys. Ugh, I'm sober. I'm sober too. That's the worst part. Uh, I know we're the cocktail half. <laughs> I, know, I know, but in any case, uh, we'll see you then next uh, next episode with some more Lovecraft after this little surpriser, guys. Thanks for your time. We'll see you soon. Thank you. Take care, guys. Take care.